Welcome to Surf Stories, the podcast brought to you by Surfing's Evolution and Preservation Foundation. My name is Kevin Miller, and my co-host normally with us is John Brooks. I mean, he will be on the podcast, but he's not here for the intro. He's out traveling somewhere down in Australia. But on his way to Australia, he had the good fortune of sitting down at the Channel Islands factory with Devin Howard. Devin's uh, a current employee out there at Channel Islands, helping them perfect and uh, sell, hopefully, a lot of surfboards, and especially in that mid-length. Um, we've, uh, John and I have both sort of uh, taken on some, uh, I don't know, recent, but I mean, last year or so, we've been riding the mid-lengths and kind of enjoying, enjoying it too much, maybe, and I don't know, kind of a convert. So uh, this podcast does include a little bit of chatter about that, obviously, but uh, some other great stories from Devin. I don't know why I sound reluctant to admit that I'm old and writing a mid-length because it's kind of obvious, but you guys you guys know what I'm talking about. Um, I'm 51 now, and I'm an accountant, and I'm ready for writing waves at least to be a little bit more friendly and not worrying about maneuvers so much. Maybe going top to bottom was never my thing anyway. Probably should have been on a mid-length my whole life. So you guys just kick back and enjoy this lovely chat with Devin Howard. He's such a nice guy and uh, uh, some, again, really great stories coming out of him. So here we go. Low 70s, low humidity, beautiful days, and I came here, and it's been raining since I got here. Yeah, the you ever listen to Storm Surf? I forget the host's name, but he's got a YouTube channel. Uh-uh. Check it out, Storm Surf. Okay. Guy nerds out hard on the forecast, and he'll go 20, 30 minutes, and he breaks down everything. He mostly focuses on the Pacific, the North Pacific. Okay. And he's really excited because all the signs are there for... El Nino. So it looks like La Nina is on its way out. Yeah. And this weather that we're getting now and the weather we've been getting for the last two months, we've been getting blasted here. Yeah. Is sort of the, that gateway is opening. Yeah. And he's claiming we should be in a full El Nino situation next year, which we haven't had in quite some time here. So yeah, on the surf end of things, exciting. It could mean a lot of precipitation too. Um, but we'll take that along with the swell. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I, I was just talking to uh, my buddy, Brad, that lives here in Santa Barbara, and he was saying that the top of the mountains back here have been covered in snow like multiple times and yes. something like 60-something inches of rain. Yes. And then going all the way back to Mammoth, it's 70-some feet of snow. Yeah. I didn't even know that was possible. Yeah, he just he was <laughs> just in Mammoth last week. It was his daughter's birthday. They went, went up and went skiing and snowboarding, and he said that some of the lifts are buried. Like it's crazy. Yes. Crazy. Yes. Yes. So, yeah. but, um, to get some waves, we might have to go somewhere else. We might have to get on a plane. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so how long have you been up in Santa Barbara now? Cause you, you live down in Cardiff area for a long time, right? Yes. Born and raised, um, San Diego. And I moved here a few years ago. Um, my wife's from Ventura. Oh, okay. I just kind of did it quietly. I, yeah. You know, just um, 
my heart's still in San Diego. Family's there. When the when the surf's good, I'm still there. So I think a lot of people don't even know that I moved out of town. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't make any big announcement. Um, gotcha. So, but I've, I've kind of always been all over Southern California, wherever the waves are. I, I just hop in the car and go yeah. when I can. I mean, obviously I have work and kids and family, so not in every swell, but I try to look at the forecast like everybody and wherever it's going to be good in Southern California, I try to be there. Nice. Nice. And so I guess I was under the assumption that you had moved to Santa Barbara for this uh, role with Channel Islands, but sounds no, like no, no. Um, my wife, as I was saying, um, you know, she's, she's from Ventura. She's born and raised in Ventura and she wanted to come home. Oh, okay. And we've got a young family and um, there's a big network. She's got a lot of, you know, brothers and yeah. and friends and, and a lot of her friends have kids the same age. So it just seemed like a good place to be to raise a family. Nice. And um, she also got a job up here growing coffee. She's ah. a farm manager. Wow. Um, which she's put on pause to be a mom. Okay. Um, so the, I, I've done a lot of different work um, and I was in the middle of sort of different jobs at the at that point and channel islands became a client and okay. um, so i just started casually helping them and then we just built momentum and it was it was a real surprise i think for both of us yeah 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 i know for me because i have known you since um like probably the seedling is that's when a, i first a long time was ago. introduced to your surfing <laughs> And, and I can't remember, did you come through with the tour with Sprout? Yes. Um, uh, that so, was 2004. Yeah. So I helped Moose put together that Florida run, yes. uh, for the Sprout tour. Yes. Yeah, so um, I and think CJ was with you guys and Thomas. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And there was a couple shows where I think I ducked out and went home and then I came back out. I might've, I, I can't remember. There was like 30 plus shows. It was yeah. It w- that was a heck of an experience putting on a film tour. Yeah, I worked with Moose, and um, I would never do that again. Yeah, job. <laughs> I don't think anybody <laughs> would. <laughs> but yeah, I can remember that being such a cool event to like take a surf film and then you know do like an old school legit tour. Yeah, and uh, it hasn't really been done many times since. Actually, uh, we just mo- recently kind of did it with uh, Kaloe with his. Uh, with his film uh, Reckless Abandon. Oh right. He he put that together and put you know got on a bus and toured it all over and we were one of the stops there and that that's the first time I can remember it, somebody touring a film like that in a yeah. long time and um yeah the incentive structure there is not it's not the same, you know. No. It, it, I mean you guys probably talked about this a million times stating the obvious. It's just it's a very different world. So yeah. um yeah. but yeah. I think Thomas has another film. I don't know if it's come out yet, but he's got another one. But it hasn't. We've actually we talked to him about it, um, and yeah, it's still in finishing finishing phases, which for Thomas can be one to <laughs> seven years. <laughs> yeah, he, he wants to do a lot. I don't know if I'm. He's talked about doing a live sound track to it. So oh, that'd be interesting now that was one of the cool things too about sprout is that ray uh barbie was with you guys right and he would play he wouldn't live score the film but he would uh you know play before and intermission Mm -hmm. and stuff like that which was really cool um the mattson too were with us as well Uh, you know it was there was a lot of stops on that sprout tour so i think 
Yeah. At different points, people jumped on and off. I think, I don't think you were in the Central Florida one. I'm pretty sure I had to head back for something and then I got back in uh, for the rest of it. Yeah, because I know it was uh, Sean Tully and CJ mm. and Ray and Thomas. Yeah. And there was a guy that was with CJ, one of his buddies. I can't remember his name, but I remember we got a super fun day. The, the day after the film showed, we yeah. got a super fun little uh, logging day at Ponce Inlet. And uh, I remember Ray came down and was sitting on the hood of my truck playing mm. the guitar. Yeah. And we were like, hey, Ray, like, come out and surf. And he's yeah. like, I don't, I don't surf. Yeah. We're like, what? <laughs> and he's like, I've, ne- I've, I've never caught a wave before. Yeah. And so we, we took Ray Barbie out and pushed him into his first wave on a longboard. And that was unreal. Highlight of my, Classic. one of the best experiences of my life. So oh, that's, that was pretty cool. That's bitching. Well, I, I, yeah. Anyways, I just ended up with, the ch- with Channel Islands and um, there was no plan from either side. We just, I, I helped him with marketing okay we were having a lot of fun together yeah and i think because i come from a longboard background i was able to come to channel islands and just see what see the brand for what it is yeah and i always you know like you and like anybody i i saw it and appreciated and respected it from the outside and when when i got inside i was i was i was blown away by by the culture here in the building you know i, I think i had had it built up in my mind that they were just this big corporate beast and they were, you know, screw those guys or, you know, it's all yeah. about backyard, this and that. And, um, when you, you know, you walk through the building, they're, they're all surfers at work here. They're just like you and I, Yeah, <laughs> a, a lot of them have families and they're here building surfboards. Um, and you know, under the leadership of Britt Merrick and Scott Anderson, um, I was totally captured by it. And, and then, you know, I'm a story guy like you. You know, I've been in, um, I've edited magazines, I've worked on films. And then seeing and learning more about the um, the legacy of the Merrick family and how it's passed on to Brit, it was really interesting to me. Yeah. And then to have access to the boards here, um, it all kind of came together once I started getting some boards <laughs> as well as, yeah. you oh, know, I yeah, because I, I had, um, I'd been riding Takayama boards f- forever. I was introduced to Takayama through Joel Tudor and just had that for decades. Donald passed, unfortunately. It's been about 10 years. Yeah. And I've just bounced around trying different boards. And um, we just started having fun, ma- made some eggs, or people call them mid-lengths. It's a mm-hmm. big controversial <laughs> subject, apparently. And yeah, right. um, there was no plan here, really. We just made one, and it coincided with... Um, this the p- the pandemic thing that happened and a lot of new people came into surfing. I think it was even more than that. It was just um, there was a, a whole new segment of surfers that were transitioning in, in what they were interested in. You know, mm-hmm. CI has a lot of obviously hardcore shortboard customers, and some of them were ready to try something different. So it was just it was just kind of like a happy accident really. Yeah. Cause it's, it's interesting. Like having, you know, I've known about you and your career for a long time and, um, and coming from that background with Donald, um, it, it was surprising to me when, you know, I saw that you were doing a board with CI cause I was like, wow, that's a departure. Cause that's something CI's never really been known for at all. They were always high performance, you know, cutting edge world tour boards, Sure. Um, that kind of thing. Um, 
And so, yeah, I was, I was actually super excited. I was like, cause I, I've been fortunate when I lived here in Santa Barbara, I worked right around the corner at sex wax oh, yeah. and I've known Scott Anderson since college days. Yeah. And yeah. So I knew kind of similarly, like I knew the history of this place and, um, just the work ethic and the, the quality that goes into the stuff here. But it was, but it was always in boards that I was kind of like, uh, I mean, they're insane, but sure. I'm not a world tour guy. So, sure. you know, I, I could appreciate what they built, but it wasn't what I was shopping for. And so yeah. then when I knew that you were doing a board with them, I was excited. Cause yeah. I was like, Oh, this will be up my alley. <laughs> yeah. And I, I yeah, thought, well, uh, go ahead. I thought the same as you. And, um, I brought that up and Britt pointed out, he's like, well, like actually we've we've done those other boards just maybe we're not as known for them yeah but al merrick had a board he called it old blue and mm-hmm. then i think the model was m13 it might have been called something else so um that was a really popular board yeah we just updated it it's called the m23 so we, we came out with that and we had one called the wave bandit <laughs> you know yeah. just like an amazing name yeah and then this mid one we did was because we saw uh, some old ads of Channel Islands from the early to mid 70s. And okay. there was a board in there called the Huevo Caliente huh. is the exact outline that we have. And it, that tripped me out. I was like, oh, my gosh, we, ha- we, we have this connection in that DNA going back to that. But it's just for Al, he had moved on where he was at. Sure. With Sean Thompson getting involved. Um, and then obviously Tom Curran and then Slater and... Al was hyper focused on making the best boards for the best surfers in the world, but they did have these other ones. So that I think that's why I've I've felt at home and felt comfortable here, where it, it would seem like an unlikely fit. Yeah, when it's interesting you say that too, because like the first time I saw uh, an image of that mid, it definitely has an old school outline. Yes, and and those other boards, like I was familiar with the M thirteen and um, and those, but they had it was more of a it's more of a modern take on it. It was more of a yeah, and and then it's funny because it I think it most people viewed it as a fun shape, and der- versus an egg, sure. And people weren't looking to CI for that in the first place, correct? And yeah. Um, so yeah, it's that's interesting that that actually comes from an old board because um, it seems like it has more of that old school outline. Did you uh, completely start over? Because I know like you had uh, you had a couple models with Donald. You had like yep. a, a mid-length mm-hmm. model or an egg model yeah. that was a two plus one. Did you borrow from that at all or did you start fresh? No, we, I mean, I think other than just we standing there and looking at it, um, but we started fresh. I was interested in something that was um, sleeker, so a little bit more pulled in. Uh, that Takayama is a great board. It's it's very forgiving. It's, it's very user-friendly. Mm-hmm. Um, it has a surprising amount of rocker in it. So I was interested in boards that had, were at this point when, with Channel Island, something with a little bit less rocker to go faster and smaller average waves. Because mm-hmm. my only critique of the Takayama, there really isn't one, but the only one I, I guess I have is in smaller waves, it, it just too much rocker. It doesn't go fast enough. And sure. everyone I know says the same thing. Oh, when it's head high and bigger, it's awesome. So I didn't, I didn't really imagine under head high uh, an egg shape would ever work that great for me because I would just ride a longboard. And I think that was the, the big difference. And, and so we just started with those curves that I mentioned a minute ago. Yeah. And then added the Channel Islands rail. So when you put it under arm, um, it feels shortboard-esque, I'd say. It's pretty, yeah. pretty foiled and refined. 
and then the bottom. I've always done panel Vs. I've done rolled bottoms, panel Vs, flat bottoms. Uh, of course, I've ridden um, concaves over the years, but I just was always such a traditional-minded person. Yeah. Unfortunately, I probably missed out on a lot of really good boards because of that. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and that engine underneath, that, that Merrick engine, um, that I think Britt and the crew do such a great job here on all the boards, really. Yeah. Um, sort of to have access to that high-performance aspects, but apply it to traditional outlines and a more relaxed rocker. It was at this um, meeting point, and I know the word hybrid's really thrown around a lot, but yeah. Um, yeah, I just think it was like inching the board more toward the performance side, but without turning it into a short board. Because mm-hmm. um, I think... You, it's it's kind of how you ride the board. Just like a longboard, I could shortboard a longboard. I could high-performance shortboard a longboard. You could do the same thing on the egg boards. So I think um, maybe not pushing those boards too far by too much rocker um, is the key to them. And that's why people get on them and they're like, wow, this just feels so right. It just feels so comfortable. And you don't have to pump them necessarily. Yeah. You can trim. Right. And it's sort of like, underneath and we're, look we didn't invent anything there are other people that have their own versions but i i just really liked the combo here it just tripped me out yeah and i'm i'm getting long in the tooth i'll be 49 in a month and when your Ooh. friends are cut when your friends come to you and say you're surfing better that's yeah. a pretty cool feeling like you're like because you're you imagining are. right at this time that it's over yeah <laughs> no no you are i'm watching your instagram posts and they're, they're meditative i'll watch them two and three times just to kind of go to that headspace that's the whole reason why we watch surf movies maybe but uh <laughs> yeah you're surfing really well I, had, I just wanted to pop in while i have the mic here and say that scott hewlett uh gifted a board to me from channel islands and I think you had taken care of, of helping mm-hmm. him execute that order. And uh, I've had such a good time on that board. Uh, I have a couple other, um, you know, our local shaper does some Torn Martin imitations, and uh, we mm. we love those. And But this particular, um, I uh, this gift that came from Scott has been uh, just that. It's been really a lot of fun to uh, step on what, you guys have been working on for so long because it's it's obvious when i when i actually find a good way yeah that is the ultimate gift receiving a surfboard yeah from scott hewlett no less (laughs) (laughs) it was cool because scott Uh, contacted me for for dimensions and and length and and just kind of what the whole feel of it and so kevin truly had no idea that it was coming and it literally showed up on his doorstep and i remember he called me and he was like bro, there's a surfboard at my house. Like, did, did you have a board shipped here that you didn't want somebody to know about? <laughs> and yeah. I was like, I don't know, open it up, see what it is. And yeah, that was, that was a fun day. Yeah. It's been a wild ride to watch the popularity of the boards. There's, there's really nothing new about it. It's as a kid, lots of people had them that I saw, but was it a mainstream board or popular? Not, not for guys in our generation. Yeah. If, you know, if I was a teenager or whatever in the early to mid-70s and was at La Jolla Shores, well, yeah, everyone was riding. Um, mo- most of them were riding a GNS. Yeah. You know? And yeah. for all the reasons w- that we're all well aware of, those boards just kind of went by the wayside. And then 
as I was growing up, sort of your your most core salty locals would still be holding on to those. And at that, you know, let's say in the eighties or nineties, they had the moniker of the the fun board. Yeah, and so people <laughs> made fun of those. And um, and I think in the last few years, um, you know, you see people scratching their head, going like, I don't understand what the big deal is. Like these these have been around a long time. I I just think it's you know way more people are open to trying them. Mm -hmm. I think all the stigmas of your board choices were removed years ago. Yeah. Right. Everyone's talked about a million times The We've been, people have been talking about ride everything for 30 years as though it's a new idea. It really isn't. Yeah. It's just, but that's a big thanks to you and Joel, you know, mostly Joel. Remember this, we got mostly Joel. Yes. I'll give Joel the credit, (laughs) but, but you're in there as well. Um, but I think we're finally at a cool time in surfing where, um, like you said, a, lo- a lot of that stigma has been removed, but for, cause I'm same, same age, I I'm 50 about to be 51 in a few months. So we came through that same era and for, you know, the, the nineties and into the early two thousands, the goal was to try to figure out a way to keep yourself healthy. Like mm-hmm. Kelly had done and still be able to shortboard into your forties. Right. And I feel like that's finally a little bit gone by the wayside and it's, it's accept not only acceptable, but it's actually looked on as cool to yeah. ride an appropriate board and quit trying to surf in that way. It's like, I was, I was talking to Brad this morning, like I was showing him a couple boards that I brought with me and, um, one's a seven Oh mid length and one's mm-hmm. like a six, five egg. And, um, I was like, I'm not trying to bust the tail out anymore just can't mm. do it you know i don't i don't want to do it like i want to yeah. put the board on rail i want to go fast and i want to have some fluidity in the motion and i want it to feel good yeah. and that's finally acceptable because <laughs> it wasn't for a long time yeah uh, it's it's as you were saying earlier it's it's a type of meditation you know maybe you're finding meditation through watching it but but riding those boards i think that's the attraction to it and yeah most people are quite okay with knowing that they're not going to rip the bag out of anything, but yeah, ripping's a relative term. I think it's a feeling, uh, you know, just like on a snowboard or, or a skateboard and you're holding a line, a really clean line on something. That's pretty exciting feeling that that does feel like ripping to a lot of people because you're, yeah, you're on the edge of disaster, you know, cause if your big bottom turn, uh, whether it's on a mountain or a wave, that's pretty thrilling feeling. And, and, all that rail engaged in the water and and if you sort of make take the wrong line or a bump comes up the face it's all over and you're yard sailing it so there's even though you're not blowing the fins out you're not doing airs i I think ripping is a relative term and based off the popularity of everyone jumping on these things i mean they're getting that feeling yeah well i think that feeling is a lot more accessible to most people sure if you look at surfing worldwide and the number of people that surf, it's a pretty small percentage of guys that can surf like Italo and do those massive airs. And, you know, um, that's just not attainable for most people, but it is definitely attainable for a majority of people to pick the right line. Sure. You know, get in trim, go really fast and do a nice smooth turn. Like that's, that's super achievable for a lot of people. Yeah. There's, there's about a year there where I was on a, pointy thruster potato chip and uh i'd be sitting in, on the board in the lineup and i remember my wife looking over at me and she goes are you standing <laughs> and I, and it's like literally 
I'm sinking the board so low. It's like there's no reason that board should be underneath me. I'm just sitting on it. Yeah. And I mean, the beauty of surfing, what I think we've all been attracted to it is the, you know, the freedom we get to express ourselves. And those are all cliches, but um, it's, it's exciting that we have all these options. And, you know, like I, I, I enjoy watching Italo and those guys on the WSL. It's just like any yeah. other sport. There's the highest yeah. level. We could enjoy NBA or NFL. I doubt any of us on this uh, these mics can play at that level. Um, but we can appreciate it, and we can go out and throw the ball with our kid, you know, and I think that's a lot of that's happening with surfing. Yeah. Um, we need those high-level people to keep us engaged and excited and just knowing what's possible. But then when it comes to the application, we're like, okay, yeah. back to reality. <laughs> yeah. I suck. <laughs> I, I always I'm, tell people, I'm like, if the board leaves the water, something's gone horribly wrong if yeah. I'm on it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and there's a lot of people that relate to that yeah. uh, kind of level of surfing. And I, I always, we get questions at, at Channel Islands and me personally, like, hey, could you show that board? Let's have an average person ride it. Let's have it in crap waves. Yeah. Um, want to really see if the board works because people are always skeptical of, well, that board, you, you, you make the board look good, but does it really work well? And, um, I've seen more people in the last few years starting review channels, like, uh, the guy up in the Northeast, Yuri Skipper review or whatever. I'm yeah. Like, Who is this guy? Why, why is, why is anyone paying attention to what yeah. he says? Yeah. Why is he qualified? <laughs> yeah. But. I think uh, people appreciate that he's not coming from this high level. Sure. They can relate to it. There's another guy down in Australia, the Surfboard Review. Mm -hmm. um, so that that's telling us something. Yeah. You know, that people um, really, on a kind of bigger scale, I identify with relatable stuff. And um, I want. Does that cross over into the film festival? Do you get that same vibe where you're at in the film festival, or is is that a place where people only want to see films and content where people are s either surfing at the highest level or have the most interesting no, stories. No, not, not necessarily. I, I mean, obviously when we show a film that has, you know, John, John and Italo and those guys in it, that's, there's like a wow factor of just like you were saying with professional sports, NFL, NBA, whatever it may be. Um, People can view it, appreciate it as, wow, I could never do that. But man, it's really impressive. Yeah. But what we have seen um, a real reaction from our fan base on is the more like dialogue driven stories mm. that are about sometimes just pretty average people in terms of surfing skill. But, you know, maybe they've been on this just otherworldly adventure um, we just we just showed a film um, done by a guy, Mikey Corker, um, who splits his time between Nazare and uh, Devon, England. And uh, he made this really cool film about this family from England that totally unknown, never heard of them before. And this guy builds a catamaran and sails it down to these islands called the Savage Islands that are really? down by Cape Verde. And um, it's a phenomenal story. Mm. And his whole family surfs. Very, uh, you know, I, I hate to say average. That that sounds like a negative connotation, but they're just they're just normal surfers. Sure. You know, they've been doing it their whole life, but they're not doing huge errors and that kind of thing. But the the story yeah, of that Taz is pretty amazing. Yeah, his his oldest son is a, is a phenomenal surfer. Um, but 
yeah, like we we are finding more um, traction um, and reaction from our fan base with that those kind of stories. They they do appreciate the high performance stuff, but as much as I love surf movies, um, I can only stand to watch that for so long. Like you, I gotta, there's gotta be you have to be you have to become invested in the film and sure. and it's got to be telling a story whether it's about a place or a person or group of people. Yeah. Um, and that's something we've really seen a resurgence in, you know, during the nineties, I mean, it was all surf porn, you know, ex- extended web clips and, you know, punk rock music and, and high performance surfing. And that was fantastic. Right. Um, Taylor, you know, kind of turned the whole genre on its ear in that regard, mm-hmm. but we've definitely seen that resurgence in the last, uh, you know, five, six, seven years of people making these really beautiful documentary, true documentary films about, um, that have surfing as a focus, but it's about more about life and, um, people's journeys and people's experiences and things like that. Mm. Well, I'll have to come by to the festival sometime. What town is it in? Yeah, it's in New Smyrna Beach. New Smyrna. Uh, yeah, yep. we do it four times a year. Um, and actually we're getting ready to host, uh, the, first of its kind uh, filmmaking residency with uh, Taylor. Uh, Taylor Steele is going to be the mentoring artist for a week-long filmmaking residency. That's going to come coming up in nice. June. Um, so, yeah, we're excited about that. But, um, yeah, yeah, we'd love to have you out anytime. Yeah, I have a Florida connection. My first cousin lives there, my mom's twin sister. And my mom is from, well, grew up in Rhode Island, surfed there. She and her girlfriend were, as far as they know, the first women to surf in Rhode Island. Wow. Um, we haven't met anyone else who was surfing earlier than they were. She's got wild stories, man. Like, I bet. She, <laughs> she has a diary that she kept that um, I still haven't read it. My dad, oh, wow. my dad told me about it, and um, I asked her about it. And I, I, w- I would like to um, get it published because people have told me the stories that are in the diary and she's let out little bits and little bits, but what it was like for a female surfer, um, the things that she endured. <laughs> yeah. I, she was not, guys weren't stoked on her being, you know, surfing. They, they were stoked on her being there for other reasons, sure. but not for surfing. <laughs> <laughs> and I think, I don't know the exact age, but when she was 19 or 20, she moved down to Cocoa beach Wow. And she lived in the same trailer park as Mike Tabling. Oh, yeah. And she, um, I can say this now because he's passed away. Sure. Um, let's just say she guarded his stash when he <laughs> when he was getting, you know, nice. getting in trouble. Yeah. Um, she was a year or two older, you know. Okay. And, um, yeah, she was all in that scene down there. Um, Warren Bolster was there, the f- great photographer and surfer. Yeah. My mom was still competing a, you know, a ton then. She was on the East Coast Hobie team. And so I have this really cool connection to Florida. Yeah. Um, and her twin sister came with her, and she started a family there um, with Keith Gardner, who was on the Weber team. Keith, unfortunately, passed away some years ago. Um, but their son, Jason, who's my, as I said, my first cousin, he worked for X-Track for years. Yeah, for Matt. Yeah, and then he started a company called Sea Deck. If anyone listening has a <laughs> boat, <laughs> knows about Sea Deck. Yeah, and Jason, had, you know, he started at X Track as just 
you know, a grunt worker, whatever. Yeah. And then he self-taught himself graphic art. And then he became kind of their marketing guy. They were doing K-Grip, some other stuff. Yeah. And Jason said, you know, we should just put this stuff on boats. We want to make some money. Because, they, you know, they weren't making any money, man. No. There was no money in that stuff. No. And, and his, you know, his partner, the guy who owned it, I think was a bit, a bit skeptical. I don't want to put words in his mouth. But that's the story how it was told to me. And Jason kept at it. And it ended up being this huge thing. And yeah. again, anyone in the boat knows CDEX is a real deal. It's, yeah. it's a big company. They blew it up. They were they were there in, uh, where were they? Um, Mel- kind of near Melbourne, not the beach, but yeah, in, probably Rockledge in area. Somewhere around there, yeah. yeah. Huge factory, hundreds of people working there, CNC machines, and they ended up selling it and... My cousin never told me what he got for it. I don't want to know, but I was so proud of him. (laughs) Yeah. Full American dream. Yeah, that's amazing. Just he was a surf bum, just like me and you, you know? Yeah. It just, it's so cool that anything's possible. You know, put put your nose to the grindstone and have a good idea and and see it through. So that's um, amazing, too, because I I never knew the backstory there. Like, I know what Sea Deck is, um, just being around boats and everything, but I never knew that that. That came from essentially from the from surf, surf from, from the surf, surf world, yeah. exactly from a surfer. Oh, and, that's uh, awesome! And yeah, he's raising his boys, and yeah, he just got a CI mid and went nice. over to Hawaii, and he's loving life, and he's a smart, creative guy. He'll probably start another company. Yeah, yeah. yeah. When you're hiring for a small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role, and there's no faster or effective way than through LinkedIn Jobs. Your time and capital are precious, and there is a powerful resource that can help you focus on what you're good at and integrate people into your team seamlessly to help grow your business. LinkedIn Jobs has created the tools to find the right professionals for your team efficiently and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. Everyone is already on LinkedIn with their resumes and references, and now LinkedIn has designed a hiring platform to connect you with candidates specifically qualified for the job that you post about. More than a billion professionals meticulously organized to connect people by skill set to help us all advance our position. 2.5 million businesses already use LinkedIn for hiring, and 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. It's that fast, easy to use, and effective. LinkedIn Jobs can help you write job descriptions, filter the right person to you, and give you the tools to help you interview them like a pro. LinkedInjobs.com surf is where you go to post your job for free. Yes, totally Free. That's linkedinjobs.com slash surf to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Unreal. Well, yeah, we'd love to have you out anytime to the festival. Um, so, yeah, yeah just it. mark it on your calendar and let us know when you're coming. We'll take good care of you. I'll come with uh, Scott Hewlett. Hey, there you go. Yeah, he's <laughs> oh, yeah. been out a few times. <laughs> I'm in November. Oh, Scott, November. <laughs> Scott, Scott Hewlett and I were on the... Um, what do you call it? Like a panel for a film festival in Canada. Okay. Years ago. Like the jury. Yeah. The yeah. jury. Yeah. Grant, Grant Ellis was the other guy, the photographer. Wow. Yeah. And we got invited out there by, um, Yazzie. If anyone knows who Yazzie yeah. is. Yeah. And so sure. You know, yeah, this is great. We, we, all of us get along really well. We're having a good time. And 
I don't know, this is at least a decade ago, maybe more. I don't remember the year. And a couple hurricanes were coming. And it was the hurricane before Sandy. Okay. Um, I don't remember the name of it. Yeah. And, and we're, you know, we're the, the festival's getting underway, and, and Yazzie's pacing around. And he's like, oh, look at this. You know, the, the forecasting info wasn't fantastic. You know, now it's just right at your fingertips. Sure. But this guy had his finger on the pulse, and... I barely knew him, you know, I didn't know him that well. I'd heard about him. I, I heard he had excellent forecasting skills and he had this, let's just call it a secret break somewhere. Mm -hmm. I need to say where anyone can figure it out. Mm -hmm. And he's like, we should go. And we're like, Yazzie, we're here. We got invited by the film festival, which you put on. <laughs> That'd be pretty fucking rude. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he just wouldn't let it go. And he's just, He's just doing <coughs> doing the hard sell, and we're getting into the festival, and I, I think it was a couple, maybe three nights or something. Yeah. And we get to the second day, the second night's coming up. He's like, okay, I've got it all lined up. We're going to leave on this. We're going to get in just before the hurricane, da, da, da. and we're just like, we just feel like the biggest pieces of shit. <laughs> I mean, that's just <laughs> such a whack move. Yeah. And um, we end up... Uh, we end up folding and, and bailing on the festival last oh, night. No. We're the worst. And we get to the airport. We get in the air. They were, like, about to cancel the flight. We go. Bumpy as all hell. Yeah. Flight. And the, the pilot was saying that we're over the hurricane. We might have to turn around. I don't know if we're going to land. Oh, shit. I mean, it was white knuckle. The wings... I thought the wings were going to come off. We're yeah. dropping in. I mean, it was this, it was like the dumbest idea possible. And we're, everyone's closing their eyes and praying. We, we land in this secret destination we're going and we get there and we want to wring Yazzie's neck. And he's like, no, it's, just trust me. It's going to be worth it. And some friend of his picks us up in a panel van. And it's just like this full covert operation. We jump in and, we just don't believe him at this point. I'm like, there's yeah. no way that the waves are going to be good. And he's like, no, trust me at noon, the wind, the wind's going to stop. The, the, the sky's going to part <laughs> and it's going to be insane. Yeah. And we, we take this long drive, get car sick. We show up. It is the most crazy death weather I've been in, in that this van we're in felt like it was going to tip over. Wow. And I was mis We were all miserable. And about an hour later, the wind stopped, the rain stopped. Okay, well, he was right about that. We open the door and we look out, and it just looks like dog shit. Yeah. This place is huge. And then, poof, the wind goes offshore. And he's like, he looks, he's like, no, trust me. And this is like about noon, like right when he said. Yeah. It's like around around one, two o'clock, it's going to be like J Bay. I'm like, yeah, right. <laughs> You're like, I've been to J Bay. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. And um, you know what? He wasn't full of shit. He was dead on, man. And I'm so sorry to anybody that had anything to do with that film festival. We suck. <laughs> that was one of the rudest things I've done. You know, it was horrible. Uh, but it was worth it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if there's ever a reason to bail on a surf film festival, it's to go score Epic Surf. That's 100% forgivable. For the record, Kevin and I never expect anybody to show up. We're just like, we're just showing dumb surf movies. And I, I don't say that in a denigrating way to the people that make them. But we're just, we're just showing surf movies and... So yeah, like uh, Richie Fitzgerald was supposed to come in like 2013. They were going to show Wave Riders and all that. And he calls me like three days before the festival, and he goes, "Uh, man, 
I'm going to Iceland. I'm sorry. All the, all the boys are going to have to go. And I'm like, you know, he was apologetic and all that. And I was more mad that he wasn't come. I was more mad that he was scoring in Iceland than I, than I was that he wasn't coming obviously, but um, just jealousy, pure jealousy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Well, we needless to say, we weren't invited back. <laughs> Fair enough. Oh, that's uh, funny. That's funny. Yeah. Scott has been on the jury. Um, for how many years, Kevin? I want to say almost 2015. The so beginning, like yeah. Almost eight years, yeah. 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 A couple of those, a couple of those guys have been around for a while. We, we he likes the short jury because I think he likes those short movies and mm-hmm. um, those are di- easily digestible. And you know, a lot of those, whether they're higher action or story driven, um, they always pack a little punch. I love those yeah. short documentaries are great scott's a real asset um he's a mentor of mine gave him my first break so to speak hired me at longboard magazine i mm-hmm. begged him for a job did the you know the old school tactic of like hey i'll i will sweep this was at longboard magazine yeah it wasn't That's kidding amazing, i'll work yeah. here for free and he, he he gave me the opportunity to do the um internship and then got through that and then i was wrapping up i went to usd I was like, what the hell am I going to do for a job? Yeah. And I was like, well, I'm going to work at Longboard Magazine. It seemed like the best scam possible. To, <laughs> yeah. To Absolutely. Be a, be a, you know, be a surfer. Because as a longboard surfer, I, I was, I, I would say I had a, a good talent level. I was in the mix or whatever. But there, it's not like you were going to make a living doing that. Like two or yeah, three people right. did. Colin McPhillips, Bonga Perkins, and Joel Tudor. Yeah. That's about it. Yeah. The rest of us were... Know, waiting tables or whatever and uh having fun but having uh, fun not making any money yeah no complaints but i just thought that was the best thing ever that that scott hired me it was like a dream scenario yeah and uh the only thing that stuck about it is he left six months after i got there i was like <laughs> no <laughs> because he's so so smart so funny witty yeah well read um i think he's a treasure to surfing and in what I respect about him most is that he flies under the radar. He's he doesn't make it about, you know, he, he's not on Instagram. He's not posting him about himself and how rad he is or how relevant he is. He yeah. just I think he does what a great editor does is gets out of the way of the story. Yeah, and he brings him to life. And uh, he's the best caption writer. So anyone who does writing, uh, and if you've ever worked at magazines, the toughest thing to do is to write short. Yeah. And he taught me the, uh, the quote, uh, brevity, brevity is the byproduct of vigorous writing. Hmm. And okay. um, I've, done, I've done a lot of writing, but I suck at it. You know, I, I understand a story arc, but I wasn't as well read. I was bottom of my class and everything. Um, but I understood a story. And he helped me catch up and gave me a lot of super helpful tools hmm. that... I carried through the next four years at Longboard after he left me for dead. <laughs> <laughs> and um, and then I was, by another mentor, was encouraged to get the hell out of uh, surf journalism. Mm-hmm. It's like, you don't want to be in your 30s and be a surf journalist. You're going to get kicked to the curb because you're going to be old and not relevant. Yeah. It's like, dang it. <laughs> no, I don't want to do that. Say, so you should go into marketing. I'm like, yeah, but marketing or those guys are douchebags like <laughs> 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 because b- being an editorial you were always getting 
marketing guys trying to whatever yeah. butter you up or kind of thrash you. you for not doing whatever. And we were always yeah. accused of favoritism at at, but I I was never forced to do that. At least my own experience. I can't speak for any other magazine. But at Longboard, and and this is something that Scott was was really adamant about was the separation of that the ad folk and editorial. He's like, no, because we're going to taint the waters, then we're going to lose our credibility. Right. And so I learned a lot of really, even though in that short time, I learned a lot of valuable skill sets that I've carried on to today. And they did all, they all applied to marketing because we didn't know that uh, as magazines went away, that the brands were going to be their own, telling their own stories. Yeah. That's what we do now. Yeah. 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 Scott's an awesome guy. We've been fortunate enough to spend a little time with him and uh, he comes out to the festival. He usually comes in November. So Maybe mm. maybe come in November, have a little reunion. I'd like to and do you, that. You guys can uh, come and then bail and go somewhere else. <laughs> <laughs> I think he's working on a book, uh, and the rumor has it. I don't know if he wants me to share that, but he, really? he's definitely working on a book Gosh. that we're going to promote at some point. He should. Um, yeah, and he actually agreed to come on the podcast and uh, talk about um, his uh, career and where he's come from i mean i think i think that'll be one of my favorites for sure it's yeah it's been yeah. really nice talking to you Devin. by the way oh thank getting you to yeah. know you better yeah it's nice to be here and it's i'm glad you got you guys are doing that festival and thanks you know i i gotta see my my head's probably in the clouds with what's going on with films because when you get into these brand jobs you're just so hyper focused like we're gonna we gotta tell our own stories so we're just yeah, in constant right. filmmaking mode here sure we just wrapped one and just launched it i see I, i'm such a the cloud still a day or two ago it's called demo tapes mm-hmm. the g-skate and it's it's a surf porn sort of thing but alex kilowano did most of the filming and the editing and then we work with him and help sort of package it together yeah i have another friend alex cops who helps out a bit um and so it's it's a we're having a lot of fun here. Maybe nice. we'll come up with one that we could put in your festival one day. Yeah, I mean, like like Kevin was saying, we have a short category, so anything under thirty minutes. We've shown films that are three minutes long. Mm, um, okay. So yeah, and we we try to um, we try to be a representation of everything. So we'll we'll you know yeah. we'll show some little three minute shorts that are that are hyper focused on a, on a thing, mm. um, or maybe just you know pretty pure high performance. Um, yeah. but then we get little, you know, seven, eight minute shorts that are story driven and narrative. Sure. And, um, and then we have full, you know, 90 minute features as well. Mm. Um, the thing I think, and Kevin, you can comment on this. The thing that is interesting to me is that a lot of the features that we've been having lately are coming from folks that are relatively unknown in the surfing world. Yeah, I agree. It has been nice to see our uh, our our thing light up with uh, things like the Duke Kahanamoku project and oh, yeah. uh, the strange or the uh, the Mikey Corker project and just people that don't normally uh, come to mind when you think about major uh, projects in the in the surf mm. world. So that's those are always our favorite too. But the Ben Gravy documentary was actually really well done by his team mm-hmm. um, so yeah it's, it's really uh always surprising i'm pleasantly surprised we have all the submissions we do 
Yeah, we showed we just showed a really cool film that Lauren Hill did uh, called "The Physics of Nose Writing." I don't mm-hmm. know if you've seen that. If you I, haven't, I did see it. Yep. Yeah, that's a fantastic film, and that's you know Lauren's kind of dipping her toe into you know filmmaking world, and um, so yeah, it's uh, it's been interesting and refreshing, I think, to see it's just not the same characters, you know, that have sure. been doing this for a long time. It's unknown folks and most of them doing it on their own dime not really making any money but just doing it because they love making films and right. uh well it, jack coleman is one of the guys that does come back seems like every other year yeah with something fantastic and uh he's definitely up there on our list as favorites as yeah. a favorite for, between john and me he's fantastic yeah uh, yeah it's prolific is he is he working on something with bryce young i heard there's a bryce young project is that have you heard anything just that it's an idea at this point okay but i haven't heard anything beyond that yeah apparently he's been sitting and stacking and i just love how that kid serves and i don't see anything of him anymore so it's like where is he Let yeah see it. yeah you know jack's yeah. gonna be the guy to find him right yeah yeah, oh, yeah. his he uh the 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 film that we just showed most recent film of his he had the the image or the footage of uh steph down in Mexico on sure. uh, one of the pick, one of um, uh, Ryan's pick, pickle forks. Pickle fork, yeah, yeah, Birch. and that's some yeah. of the most beautiful surfing I've ever seen. Is her Natural high is the name of the movie. Yeah. yeah, 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 but yeah, like Jack's probably the only guy that can get that footage. You know, to have Steph on an alternative board and beautiful sand bottom point breaks and Max and yeah, well, that's back to the more known. P- folks the opposite end of what we were just talking about is they've got the rapport with some of the and the trust yeah and yeah. there's different groups out there like thomas campbell would have his crew and then um jason baffa has got some folks he's worked with over the years there's obviously some crossover with some of those folks yeah but um access is often the key to these things you know and i think I just had heard uh kidman had done something i haven't seen it and, you know he had access to some different folks david scales was kind of raving about it on a spit podcast yesterday oh okay i didn't even know about this project so interesting yeah it's there's some people been doing it a long time who still bringing out really relevant stuff it's just a you know they're sharing it in different ways like jason just did uh is it chasing waves uh with disney plus oh okay hardly anyone knows about it because they've they've done a terrible job of marketing i have not heard of it at Um, all um yeah, anyone who has Disney, go check it out. Huh. Um, pretty sure it's called Chasing Waves, and it's a, I don't know if it's five or six episodes, and it's about uh, Japanese surfing and the surf culture, and so they follow the story mm. of five or six different, most of them I think are what you'd call professional surfers, and um, it's very well done. Jason's, fr- man, he's freaking good. And um, so, awesome. Um, I don't know if that scoops your festival, but I, I don't think it's in your festival, so... Huh. Um, I haven't heard of it. Yeah, check it out if you can. That is something that's interesting um, is that the the distribution plan for surf films now is very different, you know, and back in the day, you'd make a film, you'd tour it around, sell shows, sell tickets, try to make your money that way. And now um, that's something that we as a film festival have to navigate is one of our first questions of people is, okay, what's your distribution plan? And, you know, is part of that a tour through the festival circuit? first yep. before it goes to a platform like Netflix or Disney plus or whatever. Um, so that's, that's definitely new territory. Um, 
but kind of exciting because there's a, a potential there to actually make some money back. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, when's the next one? I'll have to. Uh, next one's June, June. Fa- Father's Day weekend, and the week preceding will be that Taylor uh, Steel Film uh, okay. residency. All right. And then we do one in August, uh, kind of a back to school end of August, and then the end of the year one in November. Yeah. There's always a, a two night event and kind of our culmination of the year. It's where we give out the awards. The films that are entered throughout the whole year are entered for competition. And then we give out cool. the awards at the November show. All right. Well, um, well I, I am going to be going to the surf station. Um, it's in nice. St. Augustine. Yep, or St. Just Augustine. outside of it. So, um, East Coast Warehouse for CI. Yeah, yeah, we're working on a new board that will be coming out in May, June. That's very different. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. What are your dates on that, Devin? The, it's sometime in June. I, I don't Sometime in June. It's oh, that'd very be flexible. Okay. Yeah. yeah. That'd be nice to come on out there. Yeah, that'd be great, man. So we'll take good care of you. Yeah. So Kevin here, just jumping in to let you know, we thought we were going to end the podcast right around there. And then as it turned out, we kept recording and uh, got a little gem out of Devin. So here it goes. Sort of one of my early introductions to Hawaiian sort of surf culture and the scene on the North Shore. Yeah. I, I think I was 19, 20, something like that. And I'd never taken, I'd never taken a surf trip. Um, I'd only, you know, I grew up in San Diego and didn't come from money, didn't have sponsors. I was like, God, how am I going to, how am I going to do a surf trip? And I got, yeah, I'm going to grow some weed. And (laughs) I didn't even smoke weed, (laughs) but I, you know, I had the entrepreneurial spirit. Yeah. I love it. And I was still living at home. Yeah. I was 19. Um, I was working at Mitch's surf shop and I was also working at Takayama's factory Okay. Boxing boards, you know, whatever, just scraping by like any young man's doing with big dreams, hopes, and aspirations to make it in this life. But, you know, you just, oh, you can't quite make it. Yeah. So I was like, I asked my mom and dad, hey, how would you feel if I grew some weed in the backyard? And we, I had a good relationship with my parents. They knew that I, I was. <laughs> I love you that know, you asked your parents. Yeah. <laughs> and they're like, what? Really? And, and I was like, yeah, I think I could make a couple grand if I do that. <laughs> And I could go to Hawaii. I had, a, I had, you know, there was a purpose to it. And yeah. I told them what it was. And they backed it because they knew I wanted to go to Hawaii. Nice. So grew the plants. I got some insights from uh, Joel Tudor's brother who knew, you know, he knew a guy or two. And so <laughs> yeah. we were piecing together all this stuff because the internet wasn't around, right? So right. it was like everything was, now you should try this and buy this fertilizer. I had no idea what I was doing. <laughs> I was like, this is sick. I'm an entrepreneur, you know? And so I grew it and just by luck just you know i think it's just beginner's luck they they came out unreal and i can't remember if it was six or eight plants okay but again i didn't know shit about this stuff and i had to keep asking like oh this is how you harvest it do that i apparently it came out unreal you know and i never i never even smoked it and (laughs) and so i ended up selling it to um let's just say some people we know sure and um there was like some pro Japanese guys, surfers that came in town and they got a taste of it and they became, I, I didn't even have to really unload it. These Japanese guys kept coming back and back and back and then it was all gone. Nice. And I had a few grand Wow. and I was like, okay, here we go. Buying the ticket. I'm out of here going to Hawaii. And, uh, Joel Tudor is the only, you know, I grew up with him. Everyone knows this story a million times. I've told it, but that we're buddies and grew up together in the same neighborhood. So I, Got a hold of him. He was over there already. Okay. This is old school phones. Obviously, no cell phones. Hey, 
coming over. Like, I need to find a place to stay. And he's like, well, let me check with the guy I'm with. It was this guy, Joe Galanka. He was a lifeguard, really well known. Joel was staying in the extra room, the pool room, and just sleeping on the floor. He's like, hey, Joe said, you can stay with us. Only thing is, is you're going to have to clean up the dog shit, and you're probably going to have to do a couple chores. No problem, dude. Count me in. That's minors for Hawaii. Yeah, yeah. no, it was super minor. <laughs> and, you know, bring a sleeping bag or whatever yeah. and just stay out of the way. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so, I'm, t- you know, okay, well, here's the flight info. And Joel's like, I'll pick you up. And I knew from experience probably wasn't going to be probably wasn't going to be there. Yeah. And, you know, anyone who's flown into Honolulu, you, you come down the escalator into where the baggage claim is and... Joel Tudor was there. I couldn't fucking believe it. (laughs) You're here. Oh my God. I thought I was going to have to, you know, do the North shore, the film and do the hitchhiking and figure it all out. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, so we jump, we jump in his car and I think he had his, if I remember correctly, he had some, the the old vintage car. It might've been his old Bel Air, the Chevy one It might've shipped it over there. And, um, so we've got this big board bag on there and we, we hit the North shore and and, and on the way out, he told me, he's like, Hey, look, the waves are really good today. Yeah. Like, we're going to go to Pipeline. I'm like, no, we're not. We're not, we're not going to Pipeline. It's like, no, 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 we're going to Pipeline. It's like, let's drop your stuff off. So we go, we dump everything. And, you know, when you get into a, off the plane from a surf trip, you're from California, you're sweating instantly, you're nervous. Yeah. Pale is just all get out. And, uh, you know, I've got this blonde bowl cut. I'm just sticking out like a sore thumb. And What's I'm, tan? Yeah, and I'm just kind of... <laughs> I don't know what year this was, 93-ish. Okay. And I was scared, you know. Yeah. 94. It might have been 94. And um, so we get, you know, I get aboard, I scramble, I wax it up, and we get to Pipeline, to the parking lot there. And he's trying to tell me all this stuff, and it's just going in. I'm just just completely overwhelmed. And we we walk over the car park there, and it's, I mean, it's perfect. It's what normal people would call double overhead. Yeah. Six to eight foot. Uh, faces on a lot of the average the double hood's like the biggest one but there's tons of waves are just a few feet overhead um look like something out of a movie yeah just light offshore crystal it wasn't that crowded because in those days it was just sort of a different time sure and he's like okay so here's the deal like uh i don't know you so when we're out there, if like anyone <laughs> says anything, <laughs> you know, and, and we're both on Takayama longboards. I mean, totally unacceptable equipment. Yeah. Not, not Especially cool, then. Not cool yeah. at all. And I'm, I'm out there for hours just shitting my pants, like scared. <laughs> and I'm out basically almost in the channel, you know? Yeah. And of yeah. course he's like, oh, you can't wear a leash, all these different things, you know? And some hours go by and Joel caught got a bunch of waves because Joel had been there for years. He'd, yeah. He was still kind of working his way in, but mm. you know he knew what to do. And this wave came through, and he's like, he was close enough where he said, "Go on this one." And I was like, "Holy shit!" Like, <laughs> turn around, go, doing sort of everything is kind of coming together. Bot, a bottom turn, I, you know, and I've been envisioning this moment for years. Yeah, right. Grab the rail, the knees tucked in. Inside the hang, you know, I was told how to do the backside pig dog because I'd been doing it at home, yeah, not at freaking pipeline. The water's crystal clear, you, you, you know, you can see the dark spots of the bottom, the rock, and the coral. And then I'm just looking out toward the shoulder in the channel, and the wave pitches over. I, I don't, I don't have photos or video, I have no idea how big the wave was. I'm gonna guess it was several feet overhead, um, on a normal human, and 
pull in and I see over here in the upper corner, it looks like someone's trying to drop in and snake me. And I'm going, okay. And I'd been warned, whatever happens, don't say a freaking word. Yeah. Just put your head down and go away. Yeah. And so I'm, get, I'm getting ready to get burned. I'm like, okay, it's going to happen. And for some reason, this person, the board and the body goes over the lip and I get barreled by wow. this. Oh, jeez. This thing. I have no idea who it is. And I get spit out of the wave. And I, I just remember the looking up before the spit, you know, I can still see it now. You know, I could see the sky through the lip. I'm getting goosebumps. I'm like, I can't fucking believe I'm in this wave. Like, this is the best thing on earth. Yeah. And this is why, wow. I'm, this is why I came here, you know. And I'd earned it. I'd waited hours. <laughs> get spit out. I remember f I fell off the board into the channel. And the board kind of just went in the channel. It was a kind of a mellow pipeline day. It wasn't treacherous. Yeah. And just totally out of out of my mind how perfect that was. And I swim to get my board. And as I'm um, paddling back out, I could hear this, Hey! Hey! The fucking Howley! <laughs> the fucking some other stuff. And, yeah. and I... I didn't even think it was for me. I just started, yeah. oh, someone's in trouble. Yeah. Like, <laughs> didn't, didn't even think for a second because I I didn't do anything wrong, right? Yeah. I, I didn't snake anyone. Some Something happened, but I just figured whatever. And and then the, the voice was getting closer. And then I was like, oh, shit, I think that might be for me. <laughs> and I saw Joel look at me and look down and just kind of like... <laughs> Start paddling away. away. <laughs> <laughs> and this... Um, I, I didn't look, but it eventually he got within the eyesight and he's paddling as fast as he can right toward me. Oh, and get the fuck out of here, you fucking long border. And just the whole read me the whole riot act. Wow. And there was another guy next to him who was way bigger than he was. Yeah. And they both sat up on their board and they looked at me and told me to get the fuck out. And I just, I just looked at them both and I said, okay. And I just <laughs> put my head down. Yes, sir. And I went over and I sat right next door at Gums, which was about knee high. Yeah. And I just watched Perfect Waves. And I learned later who the guy was. His name was Braden Diaz. Who was, oh, wow. That Braden. was his, like oh, his yeah. first um, winter or two there. Okay. It was pre-Wolf Pack. It was the ramp up to the Wolf Pack. Yeah. Um, and the guy with him is a guy named Kyborg. <laughs> oh God. And you know what? What ended up, what I learned happened later that day is he saw me and he, he, he at the last second tried to burn me, but it was, the wave was pitching so hard right where he was. He got to his feet and just went over the falls. And that was your and fault. It, it was just, <laughs> a, I mean, I never discussed this with him, but I can only imagine he was embarrassed. Sure. He had to do that. Sure. He had to tell me to get the fuck out of there. Yeah. But to their credit, they didn't punch me. Yeah. Credit to those guys. Yeah. Like, they gave me the chance to just get the fuck out of there. And I did. So, <laughs> nice. Nice. Um, and that was my, I mean, is as fresh off of the boat or plane experience in Hawaii that you can get. Oh, so that's unforgettable. Epic. Nice. Fantastic. Nice. That's fantastic. I have a story involving getting barreled at gums when it was three feet. <laughs> nice. Anybody want to hear that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You, do you uh, know why it's called gums? I do, actually. Um, the guy, um, I forget his name, but he was surfing there, and the board hit him in the mouth and knocked his teeth out. There you go. Yeah. yeah a lot of people didn't know that. Jack Sutherland told me that story. So oh, I'm sweet. Glad, I'm glad that one's getting out there. Yeah. But that is. A, it's actually a pretty fun wave, man. I don't know if I'm giving away any kind of secret here, but 
So especially regular footers, when you get those north swells, yeah, pipelines not happening, you get these fabulous waves off gums, and I love I love a good shoulder high wave. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> spent most of my life riding shoulder high waves. <laughs> Uh, well, a great story. Down yeah, there. I don't know if that does anything yeah, for no, you, no. but it's it's, oh, fun, it's, fantastic. it's fun reliving yeah. it. Yeah, like I said, you know, we just our, our goal here is to is to get these great stories that you hear in these different settings and just get them documented for posterity. You know, there's nobody's writing them down anymore, so cool. If we can record a few and and save them for next generation, yeah. then we'll consider it a success. Well, we'll, we'll, yeah, we'll have thanks. to get we'll have to get this diary from my mother and at one one point. Uh, you guys should talk to a uh, you know an, an old East Coast gal. She's seventy five now. Yeah, so and, I mean that's a and, movie. Cool. I there's think a docu- there's, there's a there. documentary there, and there's something yeah. in there. Did she, My do you know? Providence. So. Yeah. Oh, really? Do okay. you know if she when she moved down to Coco, if she was on the Hobie team? Do you know if she knew Mimi Monroe? She said Mimi was like thirteen at the time. She okay. Knew who she had met her. Yeah. And uh, Dick Catree was the team guy. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. But. She was kind of back and forth. She was Cocoa Beach for a few years, but then she'd go back to Rhode Island. Okay. And then in 1970, I don't know how old she was then, that's when she moved to California with my dad. Okay. And then I was born four years later. And then she started a family. She just kind of got out of surfing for a long time. That just happens, you know? Yeah, yeah. But uh, but she like still subscribed to Surfer Magazine. She essentially forced my brother and I to surf. And... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, we have this crazy connection to the East Coast, even though we grew up on the West Coast. So I've, yeah. I do have this dream of going back to um, that, that Newport area, um, that second beach zone, and go with my mom. And I just would like her to talk talk me through yeah. her experiences. I've, I've, we have these photo albums of her hanging out on that. I don't know if it's called a boardwalk or a wall or whatever. We've got these pictures of her with her board leaned against it. Wow. Like, the pro- it? like a promenade kind of? Know, yeah. 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 And it may, maybe it looks different now, but um, yeah. And I've met people over the years, uh, including who I mentioned earlier, Mike Tabling. And I, I, I went up and introduced myself to him at a trade show and I told him who my mom was and he went, Oh, and he just kind of smiled. He's like, Oh, <laughs> the twin sister. He's like, Oh, they were a lot of fun. And I was like, Oh, Hey, oh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> you're like, I don't need to hear that story. <laughs> <laughs> so but I, maybe we'll maybe that'll be a documentary that I've, I've never made i don't think i've should made. be i've worked on a lot of projects but i haven't fully owned one start to finish and that mm-hmm. I, that needs to be done before it's too late because my dad unfortunately passed yep. away so it's like just my mom and um that might be something neat for us to yeah kind of experience yeah all right well again thank thanks so much for sitting down and chatting with us Devin, and yeah. uh yeah, we'll uh, look forward to having you out to the festival. Okay, thank you guys. Right. Look forward to meeting you in person. Bet. See you soon. Cheers. Well, that was nice chatting with Devin Howard and getting him on the record for our Surf Stories podcast. Thanks to John Brooks for making that happen out there in uh, Santa Barbara in person. Um, As you can tell, my audio was off a little bit. We were uh, trying something new. I think we'll have it dialed next time. In the meantime, I want to thank our sponsors for uh, for this podcast, but also our festival, Monster Energy, coming on board for like the eighth or ninth year now. Uh, Thanks, Tim English and, and your gang over there, Rourke Revival, Apparel, Globe Footwear, Josh Wagner, the lawyer dude, Sunbump, Sunscreen, and many others, Florida Virtual School. 
So, uh, yeah, it's going to be uh, a great summer. Don't forget about the Taylor Steele Filmmaking Residency we have coming up June 11th. That's going to be uh, some something you want to apply to on our website and uh, check out the details. Uh, we do offer scholarships for those uh, for those folks who are accepted. So uh, hopefully we have enough scholarship money to make everybody whole. And, uh, yeah, so things are coming together for the summer. We were just ordered t-shirts our new t-shirts commemorating our 10th year uh look really good um and uh in my opinion yeah so that's what we got everybody i hope to uh see you at the festival but of course you're gonna hear from us shortly with another podcast on surf stories thanks